Ten. Chris, the topic your die roll has determined we'll discuss is pick one from the table of our choice. So, Chris, you get to look at the table of topics and choose the Mm -hmm. topic we'll be discussing. (laughs) This is good. Let's talk about topic number eight. Uh, How do you bring a new game to your existing game group? This was added by Murph back in episode 15. Fantastic. Okay, yeah, let's do it. discussion about topics related to running games my name is chris salzman and i'm andy rao and this is andy this is sort of our like one year anniversary of starting the podcast um i haven't gone back in my email and looked um, quite yet but i think it was about january kind of end of december when you sent me that first fateful email saying hey should we do a podcast (laughs) is that how this all started i it's just a big blur yeah, I'm going to blame you for okay. it, so <laughs> it's all on you. Um, but yeah, so we've been doing this for a year, which is kind of crazy, um, because I think when we started, both of us were just like, well, let's sort of see what happens, and I don't think either of us had expectations that it was going to make it much longer than maybe an episode or two, but yeah. I'm glad to see that we're here. What a long and winding road it's been, Chris. Um... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was remarking to someone that the kind of my least expected outcome from from doing this was that we would end up meeting so many cool and interesting people yes um yeah and like just getting to interact with them and like yeah hang out and talk talk about gaming and stuff and i like i know like we've made kind of real life friends from it too which is just fantastic yeah Um, i have i feel the exact same way i've been reflecting a little bit myself on this and yeah i would never have guessed that yeah the number one cool thing that has happened to me personally because of this podcast is I now know a bunch of really smart, really interesting, really great people that I didn't before. Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, they're all like much better GMs than us too. So it's nice to have <laughs> have those resources at hand when we have questions. So listeners, if if you're struggling, you know, if you want to meet new people, uh, just start up a podcast. Uh, it's yeah. it's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, this is like the the introvert's nightmare is you have to start a whole thing to meet <laughs> meet people, but. Yeah, no, but it's been really good, and I think we we are sticking around definitely for 2020 just to see see sort of where it goes from here. <laughs> um, yeah, I did want to talk a little bit about like our goals. We're not going to belabor this too much, but just want to set set sort of the stage for the next year. I think um, we're planning on getting back to our normal schedule of rolling topics and, and discussing them. Um, but if you are a listener, you probably saw that the past couple episodes have been sort of these special episodes um, where we we built a dungeon and then played the dungeon too um that was a lot of fun for us i think um and so what we're looking for is if anyone has any feedback on if you want to hear more of that or if that was just awful and you'd rather us just to you know kind of stick to the basics <laughs> let us know that too um but yeah we're, we're always um, happy to hear feedback on on if that was effective for you or if you liked it um at all so yeah and i i think our plan is to you know pretty much stick to the basics the mm-hmm. core uh purpose of our show but chris and i do do a lot of discussing about what are some ways we can expand the scope of the show a little bit in some interesting ways. So if you think that you would like to see more either a live on the air dungeon creation or live on the air dungeon exploring, let us know. And if you think that that is not what you want um, us to be doing with our time, yeah, again, let us know. I will say, Chris, the, um, the timing couldn't have been better because the episode we recorded right before we did the whole online dungeon creation and online GMing 
thing was the how do you deal with anxiety as a game master <laughs> and uh let me just tell you uh there was plenty of game master anxiety on my part as i anticipated uh running that game so yeah. i i don't know if the episode helped but it at least felt appropriate and so yeah that's really great because was that the first time you've ever done something online it is not okay. but it okay. was certainly a unique a unique thing i was playing with people that i either didn't know at all or had only met through the podcast and mm -hmm. have never met face to face so uh, that is yeah. new that is new for me so not quite running for strangers but running for people with whom i don't have an existing you know kind of rapport uh, mm -hmm. and i don't know their personalities and stuff real well so mm -hmm. yeah it, it induced a little anxiety but not unhealthily so yeah yeah it's interesting i mean i've run a handful of sessions of stuff online and you you don't realize how much you value um, being in person with people and kind yes. of seeing their different like yeah, their, their facial expressions and even just sort of like hearing the weird noises and stuff they make just to, to help the conversation yep. conversation along because a lot of times when you're you're running online everybody's mics sort of duck out automatically yes. so if they're not saying anything everybody just looks like they're staring at you like yes. waiting for you to do sort of the next thing <laughs> oh my goodness yes so. that that was certainly the case here and maybe we can go into more depth than this if a topic yeah. related to it comes up but on that mm -hmm. uh, on that topic you know there is just enough time there's just enough lag between when you stop saying something and somebody else starts responding to you there's just enough time for me to think uh-oh silence i'd better fill this with some words yeah. and uh, <laughs> start babbling so uh it's clearly a uh skill you need to to learn uh to do yeah. well so yeah that's probably a good topic that we should we should throw in and bring someone who who knows what they're talking about on to um yeah to, to kind of give us the the like the basics on how to how to effectively run a game like that but yes yeah so i think uh like so looking into the future right so yeah we're gonna get back to sort of our normally scheduled stuff right um i think part of that is uh is guests right so we want to get some new guests on in the, the coming year so if you know anyone who should be on the the podcast do please reach out um we're particularly interested in look like we're white guys who run D, &D. that's great um however there are a lot of different sorts of people and a lot of different sorts of games out there and so we'd like to get kind of a broader more diverse um group of people on the podcast um, and, and talk about just some some different stuff and get some different perspectives on it because goodness knows i have a ton of blind spots so it's always nice to have <laughs> have other perspectives on there yeah um, absolutely yeah. yeah so that's going to be kind of a big focus i think of, of what we're doing um, to just on the, the back end, just to make this podcast kind of as interesting as possible. Um, yeah. Cause otherwise I think we'll just sort of fall into a rut where we're talking about the same, same sorts of like combat scenarios. Over <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if we're still yeah. talking about dungeon doors in a year, you can uh, yeah. email us and tell us to stop it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so, Hey Chris, before we mm -hmm. dive into our topic, um, mm -hmm. can we just do a real brief uh, mm -hmm. holiday recap? Uh, I have yeah. two quick questions for you. Uh, mm -hmm. A, did you get any role-playing games for Christmas? For, did you get them for yourself, or did somebody gift them to you? You know, I actually did not this year. Okay. Um, I have a pretty big backlog. Nope, that's a lie. You sent me a link to a Humble Bundle of a bunch of oh, yes. Lord of the Rings stuff, so of course I bought that. So that's a total lie. Yeah, I picked up about 10 books <laughs> of Lord of the Rings related. <laughs> Fifth edition. <laughs> So you didn't buy a game, you bought a whole game line. Is what yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to tell you about like my, the shame of my backlog and I just added to it. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What about you? Did you pick up anything or get anything? Uh, I didn't get any role-playing games for Christmas. I did get mm -hmm. the Dune board game, which is recently oh, nice. reprinted, which I'm excited yeah. about. Um, and yeah. so here's the thing. Maybe our listeners can help me out. 
Um, so I got a $20 gift card for the local game store. So if somebody has an idea of what, to, to what's the biggest bang for my 20 bucks I can get at the, at, in the yeah. RPG aisle of the local game store, please write or tweet and tell us. Yeah, that's a good question. My, my initial reaction to that is you should go buy like a $20 metal D20. <laughs> I think you'd be pretty happy with that <laughs> over the long term. <laughs> I'll put it on the list of possibilities, Chris. Maybe yeah. I'll make a list of all the suggestions people make and then roll uh, to see what <laughs> I end up buying. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Okay. See okay. what Andy's going to buy. <laughs> I'm going to do that. But to do that, I need more than just Chris's suggestion. So uh, please yeah. let us know what I, what I should spend my 20 bucks on. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, my, my other quick holiday-related question is... Um, do you personally, aside from this podcast, have any game-related resolutions uh, for 2020? Yeah, I am going to... Um, we were discussing, just with some of the previous guests, uh, we're going to do a, a Blades in the Dark game or two. Um, so that's sort of on my list. Um, I also... Yeah, I don't really have any grand plans other than sort of continuing the game as, as much as I can. I don't have anything that I'm like, yes, this is the year I'm going to be running this this campaign or that campaign. Um, but yeah, I do. I want to try, a, I think my resolution, if I had to say anything, would be try out a couple different systems, you know, try out some different styles of play just with some different folks too. What about you? Do you have any gaming-related resolutions? Something similar. Um, mm -hmm. I would, I have a number of games I would either like to try or be mm -hmm. exposed to um, and that I hope happens in 2020, but mm -hmm. I'm not uh, you, uh, things on that list are uh, Band of Blades. Ooh, uh, yeah. af, af, because of this podcast, I'd really like to run a, a campaign of GURPS. I mean, there's a mm -hmm. few kind of random things I've got on my list. But I think the one resolution that I'm really hoping pans out is um, is I would like to get a sustained campaign of D&D &D going with for my 12-year-old daughter and her friends. So oh, I, I have run games for them in the last year or two. Um, pretty successfully I think but on actually New Year's Day we got all four of them together in the same room with new level one characters and uh, it's my hope that this turns into a campaign that goes through 2020 we'll see how it goes that's super great so they had fun uh, they seem to have a great time yeah mm -hmm. um, I was I was pretty pleased with how it went my my I have a secret goal of running this campaign long enough to get it rolling and then seeing if one of them wants to take over and gm mm -hmm. for their friends basically you know take me out of the out of the picture yeah. um we'll see if that happens but um i'd be happy just uh, i don't know i had a lot of fun game mastering it kids that age are just so creative and and funny um yeah and so, murderous yeah. and murderous they're very murderous yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know you yeah. hear these stories of like uh murderous D, D campaigns where people are always trying to kill every NPC they meet. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's 12 year old girls. Uh, I, yeah. I experienced, experienced that on that game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's you don't have to, you don't have to kill this person. He could, he could maybe be of use to you if you let him, let him live long enough to give you a quest. Uh, just a thought. He, he could be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> right, so this actually dovetails into our, our topic pretty well then. So did, had all of these kids played D and D before, or were you introducing any of them to it for the first time? They have all had some kind of exposure to D and D. Um, mm -hmm. Like my daughter has played some D and D, mm -hmm. and at least one of the other kids has played, and the other two had until I started running some games for them had 
siblings who played D&D and they were interested by it, but had not been allowed to play it by their older siblings. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So pretty new, but very interested in the premise before they got to the table. So I did not have to do a lot of uh, lengthy introduction of like, here is what a role-playing game is, and here's what Dungeons and Dragons is all about. They all kind of got it just from the general zeitgeist or from playing it or from overhearing siblings playing it. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, so with your with other game groups you, you've had then, have you had this experience of trying to like to pivot or to drop a new game on them? I have, uh, yes. This is actually something that should be a, a different topic out of this, and that is I, I have a problem as a game master of chasing the shiny new game. And so yeah. an impulse I have to fight constantly is I have to really fight against getting bored with whatever I'm running right now and mm -hmm. getting the group to shift to a new game. Yeah, uh, I am okay shifting to new games constantly, but... Uh, most other people are not and the more casual i think in my experience the more casual of a player you are the less likely you are to want to just hop from game system to game system just to try out new mechanics mm -hmm. uh, or to explore new setting ideas so that's not exactly an answer to the question you asked but yes i have run games where we have switched game systems many times over the years and sometimes it's been successful and sometimes usually when it was the result of me getting bored and chasing the shiny new system that I got for my birthday or whatever like that. Those tend to be less successful. To be a little more concrete, so last year I ran an off and on uh, game of D&D with my group. And that group, over the course of maybe two or three years, we've tr we started out running Pathfinder and we transitioned to D&D keeping the characters on the setting, but just tra changing rule systems. So I shepherded us through that transition. And then after maybe a year or two into running that, we decided to change to the one ring. So a change of a total change of campaign. And now we have been discussing actually reverting at some point this year back to D&D, uh, &D, hmm. um, mostly because we anticipate inviting another person or two into the group. And we are thinking that maybe D&D &D is a better... Um, on ramp so so yeah was was there was this a continual campaign then so even when you switched to the wandering was it the same campaign or did you when we over? when we moved from pathfinder to fifth edition D, &D it we kept the campaign and the characters so i rebuilt the characters in fifth edition honestly the two systems share so many basic assumptions about how gameplay works that that was pretty seamless mm -hmm. um, however switching to the one ring the one ring is you know, an idio a really idiosyncratic game with a very specific setting, and there is no way to really plausibly yeah. transition the D and D characters into the One Ring setting. So they rolled up new One Ring specific characters that they've been using for that. That's that's really interesting. So you had mentioned you just mentioned a little bit ago that like casual players and you know some players just don't want to transition to a new system. Did you find with these players that they were like happy to do that or were you really kind of dragging them along? They were pretty fine with it. This group mm -hmm. of players doesn't pay too much attention to the mechanics. Mm -hmm. I I honestly don't know how much they really noticed as a tangible difference when we went from Pathfinder to 5th edition. I, I mean obviously they noticed, but that was a really smooth transition and no one objected. Mhm. Mm if I were to say, hey, guys, I want to shift us to start using GURPS or something that would require a real change of gameplay mentality, then, yeah, I would expect and totally understand them to say, 
uh, hey, wait, I'm happy with D&D. Let's not change. Yeah. This is, this is again, kind of a tangential thing, but I've been thinking more recently about um, getting away from doing long-term campaigns and instead going to shorter ones. So so n- not necessarily just doing one-shots over and over, but aiming for, like, a three- to four-session arc for everything. Yeah. Um, the thought being that if, then it allows you to sort of get away a little bit from a couple of problems, which, are, you know, it's like one is just scheduling, right? It's like if you're going to commit to a game, do you really want to commit to like three years of, <laughs> of playing sort of the same game? And then also I think for the most GMs really sort of feel that need of like, well, I want to try sort of a new system all the time, yeah. right? Like they, they kind of don't want to just run D&D forever, at least myself i guess i shouldn't speak for everybody but yeah it's it's something that i've I've noticed is a lot of gms they're also the sort of people that end up explaining the rules for board games and Mm -hmm. if you're the sort of person that likes explaining the rules for board games you like sort of just learning rule sets and so it's like this weird (laughs) this weird uh like personality quirk i think of the sort of person who's really good at gming or interested in gming also is really interested in like trying just different stuff um, all the time, which isn't necessarily conducive for a group of friends who just want to hang out and play a game, you know, on a, a kind of a fixed basis, right? Because then you're just like, well, you're you're asking them to also learn kind of a big, uh, big textbook too. Yep, I first became kind of aware of that GMing tendency to want to switch systems regularly when I played for several years in a campaign with a GM who did that, and I realized how it does, despite wanting to check out new systems it was a little tiresome to every three or four months to get an email that's like hey guys i'm having fun but did you see this new system is out and it will do exactly what we've always wanted our current system to do and then we go through the effort of changing that and then four months later something else new comes out or a new edition of something comes out and it's like oh okay (laughs) yeah so how how about you? Have you? I know you have. Uh, you run a lot of D anD D, but you've played. You've run things like Blades in the Dark and some other quirkier stuff. Even has that mm-hmm. ever been something you've had to sell to an existing group? Yeah, I well somewhat. I think with with Blades in particular, that that campaign that I ran. So that was like six ish sessions. I don't know. I should look back and see um, six sessions for the the story that we told. Um, that was pretty easy because it was people that I played with before and I was able to pitch blades as like, Hey, this is, this is the style of game that it is. And then we are going to, then we'll get into kind of the mechanics later. Um, but I think the, the pitch for that is not the mechanics first, right? So whenever you're trying to introduce something or get someone sold on a game, you don't tell them like, this game's great. You rolled D sixes, right? Like, it's like, this game is great because you get to do this, that, or the other thing. Right? You're like you're never really focused on the mechanics, I think, if you're trying to sell sell a system to someone, unless you're pitching it to a bunch of game masters, right? Like yeah. if you tell them that it's gonna solve some problem that they're particularly having, like you won't have to roll another die ever ever again in your life. It's like, <laughs> okay, well great, like this is perfect, I want this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, like for the players, right, like they might wanna roll, but like they might really what they wanna do is they wanna pretend to be a thief, you know, or the scoundrel something yep. like that um right so i think like when when i'm pitching stuff to people i always try to focus on sort of like the story hook to mm. them and I, I recently had this experience actually on new year's eve we were together with some friends and we were trying to figure out you know what game to play and we just finished up playing kind of an icebreakery game i would say um mm-hmm. you know the sort of game that like most gms are like ugh. Why would we play this when we could play Dungeons and Dragons instead? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like a casual game, right? Um, which was really fun. But then, so we kind of finished that up, and it was like, well, what do we want to play next? 
And so I, I had to pitch sort of the games that I had brought along with me. Mm. Um, one was Kill Dr. Lucky, which is a really oh, good yep. game. Sort of like, it's like reverse clue. Yep. The other one is The Quiet Year, which is also a really good game. It's a like, collaborative map-making game. Um, if you say collaborative map-making game to a certain <laughs> kind of person, <laughs> let me tell you what, that just, that's not a good pitch. <laughs> if you say it's like Clue, but it's reversed, that's a really good pitch <laughs> yep. um, to people, right? So it was, it was an uphill battle, even though I really wanted to play The Quiet Year. I knew everybody would have fun. It's like, no, they're going to play Clue, right? Like, <laughs> yep. you wander you know, you wander on a mansion, you're trying to kill like an, an old guy. And then once people are sort of excited about the hook of the idea, then it's sort of like, then the mechanics, I think, can flow from there. Yep. Um, you might not get them to play it ever again, but like that's, that's your starting point. Now, you mentioned that when you pitch stuff, you don't talk about the mechanics. You envision and communicate the setting and the types of stories and characters that we'll be playing. Mm-hmm. So have you been in a situation like this? And if not, how might you handle this? You're happily running a game of D&D, but then you decide you want to shift uh, to something significantly out of genre. You want to change and run some, you know, a game of, I don't know, something different. Mm-hmm. Are you likely to put in a lot of work? Would you rather stick with like the current mechanics that everybody has mastered over the past year or two and knows really well and shoehorn those into a new setting? Or are you more likely to go out and look for a game that perfectly does the new setting you want to do? I'm more likely to go out and find find the game that's written for the new setting, um, probably to my detriment, um, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think once you're once you're in the thick of it and actually running a game, sometimes you're reaching for rules that you don't know if they're there or not, um, which can slow things down at the table quite a bit, or sort of not let you do what you what you wanted to do but if i'm going to switch genres i tend to rather than coming to an existing group and saying like all right we're all going to switch to this what i will what i tend to do is either you know stop what we're currently doing or otherwise you know finish it up and then then it's a like hey if you're interested this is sort of the next thing that we're playing so mm-hmm. like you get first dibs because you know you're, you're the current players in this group. Um, if you don't, if you want to step out, this is a great time to do it. You know, like if you want to continue on, great. Like yeah, you're you're sort of the core, and then we'll find other players. So you're sort of imagining that people have not signed on to be in your gaming group. No, they have signed on to play in your D and D campaign. And so when it's time to switch to a whatever a, yeah. a exalted campaign you you take new signups for your exalted campaign maybe giving preference to your existing players yeah and like and for me at least like i would never treat a a gaming group as sort of like (laughs) so possessive that i wouldn't allow them to like you know decide to nope out if they're not interested sure the genre right like yeah because to me it's sort of the total experience it's like you were signing up to come hang out with with these people to run a game that like you know that or to play a game that i'm gonna run for you and it's D. and if any of those things change then i think that's a great point at which to say like if this is not for you it doesn't have to be for you you know you can go find another game it doesn't mean like we're going to stop hanging out or you'll never get to play any yeah. other game or anything like that but like there's yeah there's no reason to just you know stick around if like if you are not interested in running you know in playing in a blades in the dark game i'm not going to make you play it just because i'm i'm enamored with the resolution mechanic which i am <laughs> you know, that, that's interesting to hear you articulate that because that's really different than the way I spent my first decade or two uh, mm. in role playing. Yeah. When I first started playing with my 
friends in junior high and high school, it was very much like we're the we are a gaming group. The okay. the four or five of us here are a gaming group, and we're gonna find a role playing game to play. Like like it wasn't like hey guys, I'd like to run some D and D. Do you want to mm-hmm. play in my D and D campaign for six months? It was like hey, we all love role playing as a thing. Let's all get together and then let's figure out which one of these games to play. And so we yeah. alternated a lot between you know three or four different role-playing systems, depending on just what moods we were in and who was more passionate about about it and things like that. As an adult, uh, it's my experience is certainly much more like what you just described. I'm not asking people to be my best gaming RPG buds forever, yeah. <laughs> uh, no matter what we end up playing. I'm it's something more specific. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also probably just life circumstances, right? Like. I mean, it's, it's a big commitment for me to have something going on, like, whenever, mm-hmm. um, right? So I would always want to extend that that sort of to other people. It's like, yeah, like, if you don't want to play, like, you don't have to play. It, it's This is kind of interesting to think about because I'm also, I ran a, like, I called it a one-shot for another group of friends um, recently, and they all seem to have a lot of fun, so we scheduled another session. And I have no idea if we'll just kind of continue to keep scheduling sessions like that. Like, they all seem to be having fun but it's it's also like i'm taking a little bit of a hands-off approach from it too where i'm not Mm -hmm. saying like okay great like now here's the the big grand adventure we're going to do this for the next three years of our life sort of thing it's it feels a lot more like i'm scheduling like board game nights at Mm. at my house right which is has a very different feel yep um and right like and i think that's maybe even a healthier way of running (laughs) running role-playing games Mm -hmm. honestly is taking a little bit of the pressure off of like oh like we have to hit this specific schedule um right we can just kind of play D as much as we want and then when we stop we're done um yeah yep yeah well we need to wrap it up a little bit i unfortunately need to get going soon but um yeah so uh i guess yeah any sort of like partying shots Andy? i guess like what's your do you have a like a grand tip that you can offer people for when you're when you're trying to intro a new game hmm i think well, my tip is going to be based on sort of the problems that yeah. uh, my, the the very personal um, issues that I referenced earlier in this episode, and that is, mm-hmm. whatever you're thinking of running, pick something that you plan to commit to, um, mm-hmm. to the end, because um, this is something I still struggle to do. Pick something <laughs> you're going to commit to, and then that you know you're gonna you're gonna be enthusiastic about t- to the end of the campaign. You know, uh, so just ask yourself honestly. <laughs> Uh, and then you know if that works well then you have exactly the ideal scenario that you described where you all have fun running a game for six months or whatever time period you initially pitched Mm -hmm. and then at the end of that you all you can all sit down and discuss is there something more interesting that we'd like to switch to do we want to keep doing this i don't know yeah that's not much advice just think carefully before you pitch games and um make yeah and commit to it yeah i think that's good because it is like it is a commitment and like yeah changing gears too often i think just like unless that's the purpose of sort of the group that you're with is to always be trying new stuff like it's yeah it's just it, that way lies madness for, for most folks madness but yeah i think you were yeah. the one who mentioned to me someone on the show mentioned that they were part of a group that did a different game like every yeah. month or every yeah it's like that, that's a very exciting 
sort of scenario, but very different, I think, than your typical D&D group. But. Yeah, I think that's uh, John Corey's group. I think Jess plays in that as well. They, okay. they tend to do that, um, which is pretty, it's refreshing, right? Like it's very much the, the purpose of that group is to try a bunch of different things. Yeah, that was the buy-in at the very beginning. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't that the GM just keeps getting new games. No. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with car- compartmentalizing my life, right? Like, so there's certain friends that want to do stuff in a certain way and that's fine. And like, I can go, go to a different set of friends and they're going to be interested in different things, um, right? So that's like that's a really great way of kind of, of maybe approaching it too. Is like maybe you have a core group that you never touch. We're doing D and D. We're doing you know all the adventure modules, but then there's another group that you play with that's like we're going to do all the the wacky, you know, like you know, independent stuff that's like just kind of playing with mechanics or like the one page RPGs, those sorts of things. Yeah, the collaborative map making games. Yes, <laughs> yes, which is amazing, and everybody needs to play it, but also. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need a much much better line for that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, work on that pitch and, and yeah. come back to us, Chris. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we should wrap it up here. Um, I don't think we're going to pick a new topic because we Andy and I need to talk a little bit about exactly what we're going to do with the table. Um, there's a chance we might wipe it. There's a chance we might just like, kind of remove some old old topics and, and add them in. Um, but yeah, as always, if you have a topic, feel free to send it in um, and we will take it under consideration and we won't laugh at you or anything. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So Andy, yeah, thank you for talking today. But uh, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rowe. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. Bye.